but there's not like a week goes by with those tarot card of the weeks where I'm not before I hit record a little bit nervous but I'm just doing it anyway because I'm like you know nobody's confidence isn't a switch that you just flick like you literally have to do the thing in order to gain confidence it's like you don't get confidence a priori of doing something to gain it so for me this is just like pushing myself to um stretch a little bit and um yeah i'm i'm gonna keep stretching hi and welcome to the passion pt i'm dan brophy a creative wellness coach motivational speaker and sometimes pop culture vulture I'm here to break down the creative process into simple techniques that you can use to achieve your goals faster. The Passion PT philosophy is that everyone is creative, and by developing and enhancing your creativity, you can improve how you work each day, nurture a hobby or side hustle, or even use creative play as a wellness technique. So join me as I share inspiration, thought starters, and tools to enhance and train your focus and expression a little bit more each day to achieve your best possible output. In today's episode, I'll be chatting with best-selling author and spiritual coach Jericho Mandiver. I first discovered Jericho through her Tarot Card of the Week readings on Instagram, and I love Jericho's candid, cool approach to tarot turning it into something that felt as quotidien as a green smoothie. Besides being some of the most beautifully illustrated, they're also unique in that they're both gender non-binary and present a wide array of racial archetypes. I wanted to talk to Jericho all about her career path that led her from Oyster Magazine in Australia to being headhunted by none other than Sofia Amoruso to be the editorial director of Girlboss. We also discuss topics such as how to avoid burnout and how one month of rest now can save you six months of recovery down the track. We discuss how to know which lane to pick when it comes to building a career that really means something to you, and also the importance of committing to the long game, and how to navigate supporting yourself financially while you support yourself creatively. Jericho is now back in Australia and offering her skills as a creative and editorial consultant. So for anyone who wants to leverage the skills she's gleaned from over a decade defining some of the coolest brands in the world, get in touch with her via jerichomandybird.com. And as usual, I'll put a link in the show notes. If you haven't done so already, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast please leave us a review in Apple Podcasts so that other people can find out about the Passion PT. And if you find it inspiring, share it with someone that may find it inspiring also. Please enjoy my chat with best-selling author and spiritual coach, Jericho Mandibur. I always start by asking, when someone says, what do you do? What do you tell them? a yearly basis for the last few years but how I say it now is that I'm an intuitive guide I'm an author I'm a speaker and I'm a spiritual coach mm. I work with young women and non-binary people to kind of you know reconnect them with their higher selves and with the essence of who they are how long has that process been taking place if it's changed frequently 
for the last couple of years. How long have you been in this awareness of this set of roles for? Well, um, I would say the last two years, it's felt like I could say a complete sentence like that, you know, where it actually feels like it fits together finally. But for a while there were like so many disparate parts and there's still disparate parts, you know, like I'm leaving out the fact that I'm an editorial director at a women's cannabis company. <laughs> um, so, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's forever evolving. I think the difference now is that I feel like that's okay and that I don't mind um, how it comes across because, you know, I used to think, oh, it's so disjointed. I have, you know, my, my private spiritual self and then I have my, like, professional journalist self and now I'm much more in a place where it makes sense to me. They work together to me and so I'll just kind of, you know, tell anyone who's listening. Well, I, I, I love that because one of the main discoveries I've made in doing the podcast for a couple of years is that I don't think you necessarily need to have no day job and only a passion life in order to be satisfied. As a matter of fact, I think for some people and some crafts, it actually really helps to have a job that is uh, fed by your passion, but not actually, not actually the, make your passion the sole source of your income because it's actually kind of great for some people to have that balance. How, how does your day job in a sense, so I'm also intrigued to know what that involves being an editorial director for a cannabis company. Being in California would be the most perfect place to, to pursue that. Um, and then, and then the, the, the things that really matter to you, how they sort of speak to each other and, and ways in which they're aligned. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I used to feel like really... Um, pressured by myself to just, you know, quit everything and only do what I love and like that that's the dream, right? But um, I really like the idea that your day job, so to speak, is it's the thing that's bankrolling your passions, you know, and that's still the case for me and because I do love writing and I love being an editor and I love the company that I work for, it doesn't feel hard you know um but it also feels pretty necessary because like it's tough out there and you have to pay the rent and i think it's it's a bit of a mindset shift you know it's like having gratitude for the ways in which you're acting as your own kind of personal vc to like fund your dreams and make it work you know using the resources and money that you gain from your more like regular day job so, yeah, and then uh, Miss Grass is it's a women's cannabis company and so there's like an e-commerce arm where they sell products and then there's just um, like a online magazine. And so I work across that and I'm basically, you know, editing and writing stories all day about women and femmes and their self-care rituals and uh, experimentation with cannabis and basically like thinking of cannabis in a really conscious, you know, health and wellness focused um, light where the stigma can be kind of like, well, I guess the, the plant can be demystified and um, we can kind of, we have a chance now to reconnect with cannabis in a different way and right the wrongs of history and how people have been treated 
with because of their relationship with cannabis in the past and it's just so fascinating and inspiring to me and the thread for me is self-care self-love um consciousness expansion and how we can all use what nature has given us and what we have at our disposal in kind of you know a diy sense to look after ourselves better and to really slow down so that we can get to know ourselves and you know understand our own power and have a better sense of boundaries because i'm coming at all of this from a place of like i worked really hard in my like regular job previous life before i got into more you know public publicly anyway more spiritual stuff and i was burnt out like i burnt out like two or three times and i just kept getting back up and pushing 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 even further so for me the cannabis side of things there's the spiritual side of things um tarot self-care writing about it and talking about it they're all like branches on the same tree which is just like healing and making that accessible for everybody to to do in their own way on their own terms and not necessarily something that they need to like spend money on or that has to look a certain way um but literally just you know different tools in the toolkit that can help people to um feel a little bit more like they are in control of their lives um, you talked about uh, the the idea of, of of identifying a really clear burnout two or three times. What does that look like, and how did you move through it? Yeah. Okay. So I don't know if it looks like this for other people, and I'm sure it's a real, it's a full spectrum kind of thing and a really subjective thing. But my idea of burnout and how it manifested for me was chronic migraines. Um, which I still get and am kind of, you know, managing and they're a lot um, better than they were at that at that point. But really bad migraines, really sore joints and just general, like, chronic pain in the body that can't really be, like, identified or diagnosed um, and being very, very stiff, having a lot of inflammation and, like, bad circulation <laughs> And mentally and energetically just being so drained and exhausted that I just didn't see any kind of like light or any kind of like redemption from this place of just like I feel empty and you know it just felt very hopeless um, so a lot of anxiety and depression and yeah, physical pain and, and, you know, like getting nausea or like getting really sick and not really having a reason to be except that my body was like, you need to stop. And then at the worst point, I actually, so I was in Australia living in Sydney and um, I was headhunted for my job at Girlboss in LA. So I, I was really sick but I didn't realise and I got on a plane, moved to LA, started working the next day and for the first two weeks, I thought, I've just got really bad, bad jet lag, you know, but I just kept pushing and pushing. And then I collapsed, like, in the street in L.A. one day outside my house and uh, went to the doctors. And I was in, like, a critical condition and I had sepsis, so, like, blood poisoning and I didn't even realize. So that was when I was like, holy shit, like, something needs to change. 
Wow. And when, when you've had a big period of, of what you've identified as being burnt out, how long does it go on for before you were able to, to call it? Ages. Ages. Like six months to a year. Wow. Of, yeah. Yeah, because you can function, right? Like at least I have always felt like if I'm, you know, if I'm sick, just keep going. If I'm like feeling, you know, depressed or like my heart's not in it, like just keep going. Like I, I see myself as a real hard worker and I know a lot of people are the same. So you kind of then, you know, something happens where you're like, oh, okay, like I'm literally bed bound now. And then you look back at the last six months or the last year and you're like, I've been in like dire straits, but I didn't really know it because I didn't let myself fully see it. You know, and before you hit the wall, that was the undeniable point of no return. Were there? What were some of the the signs that you could have called along the way, or, or put or be, a better way of phrasing it is to make sure that you that doesn't happen again? Are there things that are, that that you notice and you're like, oh wait a minute, this is a good sign that I'm getting burnt out or I'm not listening to my body, so it could take a month instead of six to twelve months. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I guess I would say just behaving like, you know, you're not, your needs aren't important and putting your work's needs or people around you's needs before your own, you know. So, like, I, it sounds like simple things, but it all adds up, you know. So, like, I wasn't drinking enough water. I was basically sedentary because, you know, I was working really long hours and then I was coming home and, like, eating dinner and sleeping. So not physically nourished by any stretch. The food I was eating wasn't good. Like, these are all things that, like, I wouldn't even do to my dog mm. or my kid, you know, but, but I'm doing it to myself because somehow I've gotten to a point where, like, these kind of oppressive narratives or, like, these societal pressures of, you know, hard work in my case but it can manifest so many different ways but you know I, I would rather you know like neglect my own basic needs than consider jeopardizing the profit of some company that hires me um, that's really really unnatural and messed up and I feel like as a generation you know, millennials are a really burnt out generation. And and I think that's why um, we have like this sense of selfhood, but we don't necessarily have the tools to know what it looks like pragmatically to put yourself first and to notice the signs and to stop when you need to stop because it's just go, go, go. I wonder if there's some sort of, trade-off that we've, we've bought into as a, as a generation that looks at, because I, I feel like one of the things that we're doing better than previous generations is doing is tapping our passions and getting aligned with things that really mean something to us, because that's, mm-hmm. that's a higher value than it has been in the past. I think ever yeah. throughout the centuries, people have always had things that they would rather be doing, but I think we're now actually taking steps to do that. And I wonder if that story of you know working so hard to the point of burnout probably colliding with technology just going up, shifting gears 
to become an entirely different thing. And then facilitating, you know, doing doing more. So therefore, this is the first generation that <laughs> can do everything. And yeah. so, and so what we what so many people identify is is being burnt out. But I think the reason why we get ourselves there is because we we do really want to achieve so many things, and we've not had enough time in this new space to know when to hold them and when to fold them. Yeah, totally. I agree, and you know half the time it's things that we are really passionate about like me you know like I I've always loved writing like that was my thing you know like that was my big audacious ambitious dream and so I was like this is mine I'm gonna claim it I'm gonna do everything in my power to you know chase it until I have it but then you know when you have it then it's like the next thing it's like well now I need a promotion okay now I need to you know da 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 and um, it's like the idealism, you know, really like drives us. Um, but the, there's, there needs to be some kind of tempering process between that force that really is so positive and revolutionary and can be harnessed in such amazing ways by us now. And knowing how to actually like, yeah, put the brakes on. Because you're right, like having access to our work and, and social media and everything in the palm of our hand 24-7, like, it's almost like, um, you know, cigarettes, like, before they knew the damage they were causing, like, we're the guinea pigs that have to figure all this out now. Yes, and it's, and it's usually some sort of trial by fire where we're, we're sort of compromising so much of our, our calm in exchange for... It's it's funny, like I, I the, it's such a cliche the idea of you know can you have it all and for different people the notion of having it all is is different. There's a couple of key things that we want in terms of the idea of having it all, and I'm starting to realize you you can, but just at different times. You know, sometimes your social is going to be really satisfying, and and sometimes your part like I I was actually wondering whether you could do career relationship and social life, and then for those who have a child, you know, kid, uh, mm-hmm. or, or multiple children, then could, could you maybe maintain maximum two, nailing it at any, yeah. any one time, and every, and just everything else just has to be a secondary or tertiary investment? Mm-hmm. Totally. It's like that meme of the triangle, and it's like pick two, like you really, <laughs> mm. you kind of have to choose, and... Um, yeah, I, I think that's true. And for me, um, I've always put work at the top and that's been really the only thing. I've been like my writing, like the work that I do and like the public sphere, like that's the thing. Like I don't care about relationships, I don't care about children, I don't care about anything else. And so, you know, it's like, you can see why I was in the position that I was in because there wasn't really any balance there. Now I'm kind of a little bit more even keel, but um, even still, like, I think a lot about having children and, you know, whether I, like, would do it. Like, right now I'm like, no, but then I'm like, well, never say never. Like, who knows where I'll be when I'm, like, say, 40. You know, it might be a different situation. But I really, I love having children around me and all my friends that have kids I'm like I feel so blessed that there's kids in my life but I feel like 
I and most human beings only have so much energy and so much time on this earth and I want to make a conscious effort of where I'm putting it so therefore I'm sacrificing certain things and you know kids will be one of them because I have to reparent myself and I know it's a, a long road for me and that's my uh, that's my fate if you want to call it that you know I have I have work to do here first before I go around um Trying to raise other people. Totally. I, I was thinking about you, the, the notion of finding a job that is... Because if, if, if we need a day job, if we need something that's going to be bringing our income, I think the most harmonious way is to find something that allows you to get better and develop your skills for the thing that you do really care about. And so, you know, you've, you've got um, uh, a passion-infused set of goals and, and career path that's running in tandem with a day job that is you know, it's still in journalism Could, are there any ways in which you notice you get better at your passion world by developing skills through your 9 to 5 mm, yeah I think there's a couple of ways one is managing and just people, you know, just working with people, understanding people and human psychology and the way that we shine or, you know, dampen our light depending on the dynamics of the people around us and just what people need in order to feel satisfied and seen and held, you know, at work is just a microcosm of the world. So when I'm, you know, reading tarot for people or I'm writing or coaching, like I, I've learned so much from that kind of more corporate space. And then the other way I think is because when you're at, when you're working for like say a brand, it's not personal, you know? Um, and in my case, like with writing, like it's a, it's a craft, like it can be learned. It's not like you have to be like a naturally gifted writer, I believe. It's just a, it's, it's a craft and you're editing and you're deleting and like nothing's really personal and you're always just speaking on behalf of this brand so it's never about you. And in my kind of more recent journey with spiritual work, it's been a really big lesson that I've looked to my previous kind of work life to... Um, guide me in terms of like just that like it's not about you you know it's so much easier to speak on behalf of like a brand and this kind of like uh, abstract avatar than it is to say this is what I Jerry Coe believe and this is me speaking this is my voice and it's personal now and it feels like so much more vulnerable there's so much more at stake um, and it's harder to separate yourself and just get it done um, but, you know, like my coaching trainer, like recently kind of reiterated this in a different way when she said, you just have to get over yourself. It's literally not about you. You've got to get out of your own way and, you know, lose the ego. And that was a really, um, big, important lesson for me in my kind of more like office culture that I think is serving me well now. Yeah, that's great because I feel like it, we are when we do put there's a little bit of ego attached to our passion project, our legacy, the thing that we care the most about. You know, there's we 
it's so connected to heart and spirit in some ways, but also, you know, sometimes my ego is the only thing that gets me out of bed in the morning. You know, that's that's the thing that would drive me to, to that. and once I'm there, I'm like, oh no, I'm feeling alignment. This feels really, this feels really wholesome. This is this is I'm on the right path. But you know, I I think the the way in which a, a day job or the work that you can do uh, for someone else when it's not linked to your opus is actually it, it's a great way to get yourself in the mindset of just getting the job done or, or focusing on on the on the technique because that's what I've come to the conclusion of recently is that we sometimes think when it isn't about working with our passions that we have to be in the mood or we have to be the most abundant every time we turn up to do the thing but actually yeah. sometimes I really great work can come from the times that you're not really feeling it or you know as, as turned on as you thought you needed to be. Oh, yeah, that's really true. Yeah, and I, that also kind of reminds me of um, just the idea that great work can also come from not feeling like this is, yeah, this is the value of us, how shall we inspire, blah, 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 but it's actually a routine thing. Like, I worked in retail from, like, uh, you know, 14 years, nine months to my late 20s. And a lot of that, you know, felt for me like, oh, this isn't like what I really want to do. This kind of feels mundane. Like this isn't my calling, blah, blah, blah. But you you get so much done by just like switching off your brain and just fucking doing it. And also just like exercising patience and being in the moment and being humble and being able to, you know, empathize like, most people in the world are doing really mundane work and it's kind of like, um, you know, there's like that Zen quote that's like before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water, after enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. Like sometimes things aren't inspiring, but you just do them. And (laughs) if you do them every time that it feels like that, then you look back and you've got months of like really productive output at the end of it. And the, and the um, the post enlightenment Zen master would be getting so much value out of the chopping of the wood, and the, <laughs> and, the and the yeah, it's it's it, it would be just the same the same task but with such a different different attitude. Um, I, actually, yeah, let's talk about your your career because I heard Girl Boss. I'm a huge Sophia Amoruso enthusiast in terms of just reading her books and listening to her podcast, and I thought she was fascinating as a as a poster girl for a new way of thinking about your career and your and and so you know i have similarly had a retail (laughs) a retail trajectory that started literally the moment i was old enough to be hired as well and and but talk to me about that transition from you know that 20s career path where were you the entire time you were doing that were you thinking i want to get into writing i'm going to be a journalist what, what did that transition into 30s career life look like? Yeah, uh, so I was just kind of, I had finished uni and I was still just working in retail and I, I was in like a um, fancy dress store slash vintage store, but it was like mostly costumes. It was called Fancy Schmancy. And <laughs> where about where, where so is Fancy Schmancy? It was in Bondi, but it's oh. closed down now. Okay. And then I was also at Zoo Emporium in Surrey Hills, which is also a vintage store. 
Um, but I digress. I was doing that for like a year or two years, um, and I just didn't really know what to do next, you know. And so I was like, okay, well, I may as well just like study again, but I'll do it part time because I need to, you know, keep working. And um, I started because I had done journalism for two years as an undergrad, and then I swapped to gender studies and art history and like the more fun stuff. So I was like, I'll just go back and like use that, use those credit points and just finish and I'll, I'll have a journalism thing. So I started doing it and it just kind of like occurred to me as I was doing it that like, you just pick a path, you know, like you don't have to um, agonize over like, is this my calling? You just kind of have to pick a path and like walk through it and then you never know where it's going to lead. Other doors are definitely going to open like where all changing our career like at least a couple of times in our lives now so I just decided in that moment that I would just commit to being a journalist and so I just kind of slowly chipped away at it while I was working I was studying evening classes and I did that like a a couple of days a week and then as I was studying I decided okay I'll use like two days a week to um do unpaid internships and then I'll work the other like you know five or four and study at night so I just started um interning for free and it was tough because I was basically working seven days um but it felt worth it because I was like look at me I'm so just committed to this thing that I just kind of out of nowhere decided I wanted to do um and I just stuck with it and it was really an exercise in patience because I was you know, I was interning at an age where it's not too dramatic, but I was, you know, older than everyone else. I was in my late 20, mid to late 20s. And um, I interned at one place for a year. I interned at another place for like six months and another place for six months. And then I think there was like a fourth. Um, so I was working unpaid for like five years, four or five years. Um, and then after that, I got a paid job. It was still part-time. So I was writing part-time and working in retail part-time. And, you know, by the time the whole thing kind of wrapped up and I was in, like, a full-time writing role, so much time had passed. But I didn't – I wasn't in a rush. I just felt like, you know, there's no other way to do it because financially there was no other way to do it. You know, I didn't have anyone but myself and Centrelink to, like, help back me up. So mm. it was like, well – you know, this is a long game that we're playing and there's no rush, you know. So I think I just had a really strong North Star and um, a sense that, like, it was going to play out in time. And when you were in the, because, uh, you know, it's such a marathon to do long stretches of internship unpaid. When you were doing it, were you aware of what you were learning or the benefit that was coming to you for being there or did you just have to have faith that it was a good place to be? Yeah, I did learn a lot. It was really interesting to me. It was kind of like, um, oh, this is how they do things. You know, like I just was observing a lot um, because I was kind of thinking in my head, wow, like people that work here in like editor roles are like the same age as me. Like I would do this. (laughs) It's just like such a not humble attitude, but it was really interesting in that way. Um, 
I wasn't learning so much in the writing, you know, because a lot of internships, they just, like, sit you down at the desk and they're like, go, and you don't really get feedback. Um, you don't really feel like you're getting anything out of, out of it in terms of your actual writing ability. Um, but I think the learning was more broadly um, around, like, how operations like that work and then um, and how I would see myself you know in them and then the other way was just that I was getting bylines which was amazing so I was just like wow I'm so lucky like if I just um you know put my hand up and ask to write things and ask to interview people and like pitch stuff like I can see my name on a story that like I've written and it just felt so cool that I could do that and it was so much easier than I thought you know I just had to have the confidence enough to be like all right here I go and just you know bash out a story and like see what they thought and refine it a little more and then next minute it was up like all in the same day because you know online just works so fast and um it just kind of felt like a little bit like that, that I think that's what made me feel like this is something that I'm really good at and maybe this could be really for me because it felt kind of easy so it was hard work but it was also fun because it was like instant results were you working were they a variety of different publications that you were pledging to for those the internship period yeah so I would just do like one internship at a time and write for them and not really like pit myself around um, elsewhere because I didn't really know like how that works like how you like pitch as a freelancer or anything um, so I would like do my time at one place and then um, yeah move on to another yeah so at the point at which you transitioned from unpaid internship to being paid for for being a journalist did you jump straight into a, a full-time role or was that an incremental uh, that was incremental too because the role that I got first that was paying was I think it was like three days a week or four days a week but it wasn't full time so yeah I, I took it and then I worked um, in retail at the same time and have and at the point at which you were I mean headhunted by Girlboss is such a great byline for a <laughs> for a meet and greet um, what was the uh, yeah what was what did that look like what did they and what did they see in you do you think that made that uh, um, you know uh, a, a delicious opportunity for them yeah that's a good question okay so when I was I was editing um, Oyster Magazine the website and it would have been oh I don't know like 2013 or something um and Sophia Amoruso, who's the CEO of Goboss, she was the CEO of Nasty Gal at the time and reached out on LinkedIn about a job at Nasty Gal. So I was the online editor. The job was in LA and it was editorial director. And I was like, I'm just not like qualified for that. <laughs> like that just seems crazy. Um, but from that interaction, I gathered that she was following Oyster and thought that I was um, funny, you know, and like irreverent and just cool because I was um, just writing in like a really, I guess, um, I don't know, in a way that the, the tone of what I was doing spoke to her and it felt like the 
the tone matched the brand. Um, so nothing really happened with that. And then um, when I was working at Mashable in Sydney years later, um, she reached out again on LinkedIn and was like, hey, it's me. Like, I'm doing something different now. I'm making a media company. Like, do you want to talk about it? And by then I was like, yeah, like definitely I'm ready. So um, we got on Skype and just talked about it. And yeah, she reiterated that she'd just been following my writing and just kind of thought I was funny and like cool enough to have like a style of writing that she liked. Um, And so, yeah, I went over um, to LA for like a couple of nights and met the team and saw the office and at that point we were in like a residential space like it was an apartment basically and there was like four people on the team so it hadn't really started yet like it was the plan you know was to like build it but um it was kind of just the book at that point and then they'd had their first rally of like 500 people in LA and um they had a lot of like ambition for like what they wanted to do but they were in a big like hiring phase so I started around the same time that the art director started and a growth person and you know so um it was early enough that I had the opportunity to um really define and like um create what the in collaboration what the voice and like um brand was um which was really cool and like that's why I couldn't pass it up because I was just like wow like I can help build something um from scratch you know so um it was really cool and I'm really glad I did it well you mentioned I'm Oyster and Mashable we should also go through and, and like list any other publications that you sort of work for because it's interesting to map that I mean Oyster being the being an editor of something like Oyster magazine which is so unique in in you know the antipodes to have something that is that has that voice and looks like that it's it's so great i mean remember one time i was one time i was at a party when i was 18 or something and i was photographed for a perspective oyster magazine and i was obsessed oh i didn't like a little snapped, snapped about town photo and the idea <laughs> that i would be in oyster magazine it was it, i was beside myself i was checking the <laughs> newsstand every day to see if my thing can, could come out and i think it ended up being like a a two centimeter square <laughs> or like <laughs> picture in a crowd but i was so excited but you know oyster would have been so so cool especially the idea of being you know having that early on in your your writing career where what other publications did you work for and and um you know, at the uh, which which ones of them did you did you really find your stride in? Yeah, so the first paid one um, that I was referring to was Pages Digital. I don't know if you remember that. I'm pretty sure it's yeah. I'm pretty sure it's not around anymore. I haven't checked, but I I re- I kind of found my stride there just because it was like my first paying role, and I really just didn't have much supervision. <laughs> so I was like just having fun writing stupid stuff every day and then oyster um oh no actually then i was i worked for mtv for a time um because they had this this 
vertical that was MTV Travel and it was sponsored by Tourism New South Wales and they needed like a travel editor. So I was um, writing and editing for MTV Travel and then went to Oyster from there and then went to ASOS um, to be their like editorial lead person in Australia which was really different and interesting and like I learned so much just from working at like that was you know so different from Oyster and Pages where and MTV in a way because they were all pretty small teams even though MTV is like quite a large operation I was like in a pretty in a, in a silo so ASOS was just like a lot and I picked up a lot of like weird corporate jargon and like acronyms for stuff that I still sometimes drop which is kind of unfortunate um, the, the point at which you transition from, from having jargon seem alien to you to then using jargon is such a yes. point of no return. <laughs> I know. Like, I remember Googling half of, like, I was like, what is this? And now I just, like, accidentally say them all the time. Totally. I, and, and oh, I, I'm, I, I'm wearing I, off that. I know. I've used, I use them consistently. Also, I love, I use them somewhat ironically because I live in such a not corporate space. But then yeah. <laughs> every now and then it doesn't translate, and I just yeah, it's, I sound very corporate, and, and I realize I'm I'm the problem. Um, <laughs> but but oh, that's, that, so good. that's great. So did, I mean, did 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 the transition to a big corporate space like ASOS um, equip you with other sort of tools or awarenesses of that 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 then in, you could use later on? Yeah, um, ASOS was. Like, the first thing that comes to mind is just, like, using Excel and, like, actual tools because I hadn't really... I wasn't that computer savvy at that point. Like, I only got my first computer when I was, like, 18 and and had left home. So I was, like, a slow typer and stuff. And ASOS kind of, like, really brought me up to speed with, like, what Google Drive is and, like, how to... Um, like indent things properly and just like little stupid stuff like that but it was also just cool to know how to navigate like big meetings you know like a lot of people a lot of like names to remember and how to get your point across because like we were working in Australia um, and making these kind of briefs for what we wanted to see in like curated you know collections on the ASOS page page and where we were the only like southern hemisphere office so we were kind of speaking on behalf of like millions of people when we would say things like you know no we wouldn't put like a long sleeve turtleneck in a festival edit for summer like you cannot wear that in, in australian summer so um yeah it was like a really interesting um kind of space to play in in terms of like just negotiation and like how to um, get your point across really efficiently and how to um, be really fair and see other sides of things and just like work collaboratively with people that were so far away and like the time zone was tricky you know so you don't have a lot of time to get a lot done so um, yeah it was it was really really challenging um, in that way but it was also really fun and there was a lot of cool people that we worked with there has it, throughout your uh, journalism career, has it mattered if you like the, the, the topic or the product? Mm. Yeah, okay, so it doesn't matter that you like it, I think, but it matters that you're curious about it. Like, you have to want to 
know about what it is you're like researching you know um so for example sometimes in my career i've had to write stories about um sports teams <laughs> you know or like some kind of like event that I don't really care about personally I'm not invested in I'm kind of like oh snooze fest but um that just you just can't like you you will just be completely miserable if you try and cover you know the world and you're not interested in the world so you have to really keep a, a strong beginner's mind um at all times and see every see the the interesting side of everything and be really interested in wanting to um hear from people and just continually learn because um you know if you're like writing about something and you think you're like above it or whatever it's going to be really terrible <laughs> yeah i suppose it's probably important just to find the angle on the subject that you're that hooks your interest so you can yeah. tap that sort of passion into the into the topic even if it's not something you would otherwise be interested in yeah totally and just putting yourself in the shoes of um the people that are really interested in it that you know maybe their lives depend on it like if you're reporting on like agriculture or something like i mean that is very important work um to a lot of people you know so you kind of just have to keep it in perspective and and again it's not about you you're serving everybody else and you just have to kind of remove yourself from the equation a little uh, so how long were you with Girlboss for and what were the what what were the steps between there and and where you are now yeah uh so it was there for over two years and it was so it just like opened me up to so many things that i hadn't done before so i was um you know speaking with these amazing people in like fireside chats in front of like over a thousand people at events i was hosting a podcast um it was just kind of a next level <laughs> of everything you know for me in in work so um they gave me so much space to write about what i loved and to share it and be really like confident in um bringing all of that with me to work so they knew like when i moved like while i was still in sydney you know i was all, already reading tarot and really interested in spiritual stuff and self-care and things like that so i took all of that with me to go boss so they let me you know make sure that there was like a really strong and like pretty constant astrological um output in terms of like horoscopes and like stories about star signs and and things like that and um yeah i would write about pretty much anything that i wanted and so it gave me a lot of confidence in being able to talk about that stuff um that had previously felt like oh i can't talk about like my story or my interest because that's not what like a credible objective journalist would do i didn't feel professional prior to that but um with go boss it was just like you know like i just kind of threw out the rules and was like yeah i'm an editorial director at this company in la but i also happen to like x y and z and you know i'm on my own healing journey and like i get migraines and 
um, I was writing newsletters and, you know, I was just sharing myself for the first time and I'd never really done that. So it was just kind of like, yeah, like a bomb went off in my mind where I was just like, this is good. And the more personal that I'm being, the more response I'm getting from people saying like, thank you so much for telling like like expressing exactly how I feel but couldn't put into words or like I feel seen I feel less alone or like it's good to know that I'm not the only one who feels this way um and so I felt like oh my god like everything I've been doing has led me up to this point where I feel like I can actually like use everything that I've learned to serve and I kind of see how that can work now and like I just need to you know um be more active in continuing to for example like when my um podcast went on a break which i mean it's it's probably not going to come back it's the, the break is now forever um but i was like i have to continue this and so that's why i started doing like tarot card of the week videos on my instagram and I'd never done anything like that before because I was like, oh, you know, like I'm not that kind of person or whatever. <laughs> um, so it it brought me out of my shell and, and made me feel like I had to, yeah, like drop drop a few like stories of like shame or even just feeling like, oh, I'm I'm too cool to like do things a certain way or you know like I mean gosh there was just so much resistance in me in like so many ways but it was just all around like um I write about other people I write about other stuff like I never talk about myself and now I really feel like um talking about myself has led me to a place where I understand like the value in that for other people it's not a selfish thing it's actually like probably more helpful than anything else that I've ever done and um that was just kind of for me like the natural progression of that was to focus more on tarot reading and coaching and writing books and speaking and so now that's kind of like my priority that's like what I see as my like purpose and my day job so to speak at Miss Grass is me still having a job that I really love but like um I've tried to flip the script in what gets me out of bed in the morning and so now it's like the side hustle has moved to the front oh, I I love that I'm 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 really interested by the idea because it's definitely been my story where at the point at which I start to make real progress with things that really matter to me in terms of aligning my passions it's when it's an intersection of all these different lessons that have come to me from different avenues and and I'm starting to sort of um, merge themes that have been that different chapters of life have been teaching me about but I, I, I mm -hmm. when I watch I'm so thankful for your decision to put yourself out there through the tarot card of the week because that's really how I, I discovered you I, I do that um, wonderful algorithm that was promoting people's IGTV <laughs> videos and I realized that we had, you know, mutual friends and lots of, um, probably lots of other things that, that um, were only one or two degrees of separation. But ultimately, mm -hmm. the, the, the cut through of video via social is, is so, such a great way to get people to know you or a sense of you quite really easily in a way that sometimes we 
you, you don't get a chance to tell through other, other, other platforms. And I wonder, yeah, when I watch your videos, I think there's something about the combination of the realness of the information, the, the conversational way in which it's unfolding, and then, you know, it's coming to you from a fun, cool, stylish person who's taking something from one world and bringing it into almost a, a fashion place or a, a conversational, you know, it, it feels like an instant friend giving you some great advice over a cup of coffee. And there's something so palatable about that. I, I wanted to know when you're pulling a card that is, because, you know, my boyfriend and I were catching up on some episodes last night to, to in, in the, lead, the lead up to us chatting. And I was wondering whether, well, maybe you, you tell me, when, when, you're, when you pull a card that, that has a reference for everyone's week, because you do a, you do a, a weekly reading, do you find, and I always find when I watch what you're describing for that week, it has resonance for me. Is that because the card becomes like a jump off point for you to then free associate themes of what you're observing throughout your week? that are relevant to everybody? Yeah, yeah, I think so. First of all, thank you for saying all that. That's like so nice. I feel like it's it's like shouting into the void, you know? Like I'm sure you kind of feel the same sometimes. Like you're making all this stuff and you don't really get to like speak to people IRL about, like you just don't know who's who's out there watching it. So that's so nice, thanks. Uh, but yeah, on the, the tarot card, yeah, I think that's true. That's, exactly it like i see tarot cards in so many ways but one of the um the ways that i put it is like it's like an inkblot test so there's probably something that they expect the majority of people to see it that is kind of some foundational understanding of what the picture does look like but it's how you interpret it and how you like apply it to your life individually that really gives it the meaning you know and even as a reader, like my re- my understanding of one card and another reader's understanding of the card, they'll be based on like that same foundational principle. But the way we kind of talk about it and what we, you know, pull out of the air and like focus on in that particular week's video would just be so different. And so, yeah, I think there's like a couple of layers of like subjectivity to it and once you kind of like have that seed planted in your head you can really like look for it and for me like that doesn't mean that oh I I like watched a video and I thought about it and now I'm like confirmation biasing myself to seeing the things that I am expecting to see I think that it's like that's true but that doesn't make it any less magical or mystical because for me like my understanding of um those things is like really rooted in the imagination and in our emotions and in our kind of irrational responses to things like I think all those things are beautiful and really telling and so when we see you know patterns in life because of a tarot card or because of like it's 11 11 on the clock every time we look at our phone you know like there's um there's a reason for that and it's psychological but it's like just as much spiritual because i don't think the two can be separated you know if that makes sense well it is to me i i feel it would be a very creative act 
to read tarot, do you find what when you're at the page when you're writing something, and and, and when you're uh, doing a reading or when you're doing your sort of um, video reading, mm-hmm. is there a similar sort of da- downloading of ideas that are just sort of streaming through, or is it you know do you find that there's similarities between the the version of your creative brain that you were honing through years and years and years of writing to at the point at which you started doing tarot, do the processes feel similar or are there any similarities between them? Yeah, I think it is really similar. I think there's something about um, being a writer and kind of having the ability to like turn on that tap um, that makes for a good tarot reader because you can just kind of express yourself in ways that you're not necessarily forcing it or like leaning on like um stuff that you've read you can kind of just go off and like you don't really care where because you're just having fun and you're not so like hung up on the outcome um and that's probably the reason also that sometimes you know people comment on my video and say that's not accurate to the meaning (laughs) but you know it's like um a very creative act yeah and I think um again same as writing like anybody can do it and anybody can learn it and it's not like um a special thing I think it's just kind of letting yourself go into that place and giving yourself permission to be creative and to let something flow from you you know just to be in that state of flow where you aren't attached and I yeah I think that's really helpful like the they have the the four clairs which they say are like different kinds of um psychic uh ways of like being psychic and one of the clairs is so clairvoyance is like clear sight which is like seeing like visions but claircognizance is clear knowing so it just it's kind of that phenomenon of like feeling like you like just know something or like something appears in your mind and you don't really know why um I really relate to that one because I feel like I'm just you know getting thoughts that are coming into my head and I'm just like saying them and really hoping for the best I I don't have a strong sense of confidence that what I'm saying is gonna hit the nail on the head with people but then once you you know get over that um insecurity enough to let yourself do it and then you realize that people are really responding and they're like oh that's so accurate you know then you just have to trust it and was it that uh, when you decided to step out and put yourself in front of the camera was there was that was the very first time you you played in that space with the tarot card of the week or has that been a a gradual process of trying a few different forms of chat to camera before this one landed no it was just tarot card of the week because what happened was i did a tarot card of the week reading really briefly on the podcast that i had self-service and so i would do that every week at the top of the show as like a little introduction thing for everybody and then um the week that it was on a break you know the, the next sunday came around and i was like i have to keep it going like i have to keep the show alive while it's on this break which turned into a really long break but i i just felt that i knew people really loved it and i was like okay i'm just gonna do it on igtv because i can record it and 
it won't have to be live which seemed really scary you know so I just did it and um, people really liked it and I was like okay like that was pretty nerve-wracking but it was kind of fine like I'm alive so I just kept doing it so I actually I have like you know gone live and done things like that since then but I haven't done a whole lot like I've kind of really stuck to that because um feels useful you know um and because I'm still struggling to really like own my like I'm in front of the camera thing which is you know I think something that we all probably struggle with at different points in different ways but for me like um like I said, I never thought of myself like that. And I was always really shy and really, uh, you know, I felt like that kid at school that like had no friends and was like a big weirdo, like a big queer weirdo. So it's like for me evolving and I'm really, really excited as I start like offering more things, especially in the coaching realm. Like there's nothing I love more than like watching the the leaders and the coaches and different kinds of people on Instagram speaking because I feel like they're speaking to me. I get so much out of it. I'm writing notes, you know, Um, but there's not like a week goes by with those tarot card of the weeks where I'm not before I hit record a little bit nervous, but I'm just doing it anyway because I'm like, you know, nobody's confidence isn't a switch that you just flick. Like you literally have to do the thing in order to gain confidence it's like you don't get confidence a priori of doing something to gain it so for me this is just like pushing myself to um stretch a little bit and um yeah i'm i'm gonna keep stretching oh, i'm so glad that there's so many um well there's, there's two things to that on the one hand you, you, you've got to get out of your own way because it's just not yeah. serving you to to, to not and the and in the meantime, the other side is you're 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 captivating. It's so lovely to see you uh, having like I, I I could probably watch you talk about anything, but the fact that you're delivering information that's really interesting and and like valuable, but presented in this very palatable and warm way that does just feel like and that's funny because I always think about why when I turn up to consume someone's content and I. You know, I have podcasts that I wait for every week. I, I wait for your tarot card of the week now. I in the same way that I wait Aww. for I wait for like Wish magazine that comes with the Australian once a month. You know, there's just things that I look forward to being released in their timing schedules. And I <laughs> I love that but then you think, okay, well it's not it's not the information necessarily. It's the feeling that that, that outlet or that person gives me and there's something really magical about the the transferal, like when I have, when I went back to show my boyfriend some episodes of yours that I had really liked, I was like, I don't, I, it wasn't like the information was better or worse than any other week. It was just that, that it resonated with what I needed at that time. And it felt like a nice mm-hmm. vibe that, that then gave me some energy that then I could do something with the feeling that you gave me more than the information. And so mm-hmm. I think that there's something interesting about why we, turn into these micro influences or these sort of you know we have these fellowships with uh, certain people because of how they they make us feel first and foremost and, and yeah. yeah you make me feel good 
Thank you so much. You make me feel good. I feel so like enlivened and inspired every time I see your gorgeous face. I'm just like, yes, like I need this. This is what I, this is where I want to be. You know, like I feel like I'm, I'm kind of this, um, uh, very calm like soothing a lot of people because also so many people that watch them are american so they're like oh your accent's so soothing i want to fall asleep and things like that <laughs> and i don't mean it to be like that but what i respond really well to is um people who can you know make me feel really energized and up because i'm always in that sooth soothed space i need to be less soothed <laughs> yeah yeah the, i mean that, that's that's my value is energy you know i'm a sagittarian I'm a, I'm a fiery fire sign i have lots like i love to transfer energy and when i when i think about who i'm how i'm engaging with people via my blog i'm i'm not necessarily envisioning someone that i'm speaking to but i'm envisioning a, a, a type of energy that i want to come out of me and into the into the phone and then when i i want to be like a a little hit of coffee or uh, a little yes I can in someone's day mm. and when when, when you're tr um, sharing information via by your platform are you um, if, a, if a director was directing an actor performing that scene would he be saying I, I want you to soothe them I want you to in, enliven yeah. them what, what, what would be your your doing in that moment that's a great question well I know that I come across like that, so I definitely try to just let it be what it is, you know. Um, at first, I was just kind of being myself and I hadn't given it any thought, but now I know that that's kind of what people get out of it. So um, that hasn't really, like, changed my approach, but it's definitely made me feel more confident to keep doing it. And I feel like just by kind of being me that... Um, that that's enough and that's really great but when i think of my audience i kind of just think of me but like a couple of years ago yeah, you know, so. I'm, I'm, I'm exactly the same i'm like this is me stuck in that corporate hell of 2014 yes i just need you yes. to know this absolutely exactly like you know mid in the it's like smack in the middle of burnout but like at the point where I, I know I have spiritual gifts and that I have things to give to the world and that I need things to be different, but I maybe I feel slightly rudderless. Um, so I just kind of feel like I'm talking to myself, but like just back then. When you are making time for projects, you know, you're still doing a nine to five in a sense and you're also making time to write and you're also making time to do readings and you're exp expanding into the coaching space. Tell, let, give me an idea of how you're dividing your time currently and what the structure of your days looks like to be able to, to, to do so many things in tandem with each other. <laughs> yes, it's not easy, but I kind of, I, so I work four days a week, which is like nine to five or 10 to six. And then in the evenings, I'll come back and just do like a little, like I just, my goal is just to make a dent into my own stuff. So I'll go through my emails, I'll see if anyone's booked a tarot reading, I'll like respond to anything, keep it really, you know, I'll try and not do too much. Um, but I definitely do it because I just have to kind of like keep up that hygiene. And then, um, I have 
one weekday a week off and that's the day where I'll do most of my other coaching related things so like I'll talk to clients I'll try and you know I mean I'm still at the very beginning stages of that that side of like myself and my business so I'll maybe write some new copy for like my website which I'm like constantly fiddling with and trying to (laughs) update and make better um and things like that so that's just kind of like my admin day for my own self-employed everything else but it's mostly coaching related and then um and I was still studying coaching up until recently so that was also my day where I had um lectures and and coursework to complete and things like that and then Saturday is is my tarot day so that's the day where I do all my readings I like you can't book with me unless it's on a Saturday so um yeah I'll just do as many as have been booked I try and not book like let too many get booked on one day because if you do it back to back from like you know 9am to like 7pm at night it's very tiring but I'll do that and then on Sunday I might do like a little bit of that like just checking email hygiene stuff but I'll tend to just let Sundays just completely be because that's technically my day off um so I'll just you know rest and chill um and more and more lately if I feel like for example last week you know I came back from London and I knew I would be pretty pooped so I just blocked off the whole Saturday so despite being a tarot reader and like frequently you know having paying clients um I'm taking more and more of a stance around my boundaries like as and when I need them so that's why I have like a a waiting list that's usually like around a month or two long because it's only one day a week and then some you know days I'll just be like no you know what no (laughs) because it's not like um I rely on that money so intensely because I have the luxury of a day job I can do that so that's another reason why it's really good for me right now to not be under the kind of financial pressure where I only have coaching or tarot clients to see because then I would feel like I had to make choices that weren't necessarily in my best interest in in terms of self-care. So yeah, that's the system as it stands right now. Do you have to make time for kind of rejuvenation or the gathering of of inspiration? As a writer, do you like to read a lot of things or or consume information from other platforms? Yeah, I do. I'm pretty much always reading and like I've, I have like a book, you know, on the go. I'm not like reading like five books at a time or anything or like five books a week. I'm kind of a slow reader and it's always nonfiction. Um, I haven't read like a, a novel, like a fiction book for pleasure in a really long time. And I think I'm just in that phase of my life right now because I feel like I have so much more to learn. Um, I'm constantly like developing, you know, personally. And so I'll have something that's either like an esoteric kind of book, like a, like a tarot book, or it'll be um, something that's, you know, otherwise like spiritual or self-development related um and then I just read a lot of articles so you know in the mornings on my way to work I'll like listen to podcasts and read and then same thing at night um 
we don't like have a TV or, or watch a lot of TV. Like I only really like a couple of shows and like they're pretty much canceled. <laughs> so that's kind of like not in the equation. So yeah. Um, also just, you know, because of my job being in journalism, um, it's kind of part of it that I just have to be across like everything, even if it's like not cannabis related, if it relates to millennial women and it's kind of within that psychographic, if you will, then I, I I'm going to read it. And my Twitter is like, I, I tend to follow like a lot of writers and every time there's kind of like a trendy, like zeitgeisty conversation, I'll like get obsessed with it and fall into a K-hole of like, I don't know, Anna Delvey or like whatever it is, basically I'll read it. So yeah, that's, that's kind of like 24 seven, but I, I try and have like boundaries around not doing that, you know, early in the morning or before bed. I try and just keep it within like commuting hours and that helps. How long, how long is that commute for you daily? Ages. <laughs> so it's, um, it's like an hour and a half in the car and yeah and like two hours on the train so no sorry like two and a half hours on the train so I don't drive so I'm either on the train reading or I'm in the car reading or listening to podcasts so that's like a, a, a lot of time for me to just keep up with stuff um and keep learning and yeah like I, I love like a, a handful of podcasts that I look forward to every week and so I kind of have that time reserved just for that i also get really you know nauseous or dizzy if i read too much so then um podcasts or like audio lectures or books are really helpful for commuting as well but yeah i work far away so wow so that, 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 that's what two two to two and a half hours a, a day that you can be using as your yeah. research time in a sense you totally yeah so you can see how um it's not that hard for me to keep up with with pretty much everything because I just have so much time in the car um, or on the train but I've been getting the train a little less lately because like it's so hot right now and if I don't wake up early enough I've missed the window of opportunity so um, the car share car riding services are, are very happy with me right now right. Um, when, when you were initially making that what, 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 what was it about tarot that really spoke to you like when you were making that uh, transition through your career and then Tara started to become more of a focus to the point of wanting to share the information with the wider world was there something that felt particularly in, um, effective or important or resonant about Tara was it a great way to sort of um, mm. compartmentalize your thoughts or yeah, that's that's true. It really is. But it's kind of like one of those things that's just been like a magnet for me forever. Um, and like most kind of um, spiritual new agey things, like I remember as a kid, like I was just obsessed with going into those shops, which were like kind of like the hippie shops or like the fairy shops and there'd be crystals and tarot. And I was just like in heaven. Um, so my dad's girlfriend had a tarot deck and I remember playing with it and I was really fascinated by it, but I was also really spooked by it and it stayed that way for like a long time. Like 
um, I was very familiar with tarot. My cousin loved it and had like Ouija boards and tarot decks and um, and I, I would always have a deck, you know, but I would keep it under my bed and wouldn't really like take it out and play with it very much unless it was like in the middle of the day and I was feeling rave because it just seemed so powerful and I had a lot of like, you know, religious superstition around around what that power meant. So um, it just kind of was in the background and that was very similar with a lot of like spiritually things. Like I would read books on witchcraft in the library in like primary school. Like I was so into, I was like looking up like stigmata and like supernatural occurrences and I was just that kid, you know. So it was always like that, but I kept those books under the bed. We, we would have we would have been friends if you we were like at the yes. same primary school together. Oh god, I wish that would have made a big difference. <laughs> so yeah, um, it wasn't until again like the mid twenties, the feeling of kind of desperation, and you know how they say when you're like in that place, like what did you love doing as a kid? Like just think back, like what's like that that primal joy like the spark that just like lit you up and like what what kept you going and like how can you get that again and so when I really like sat with that I was just like magic and nature and spooky things like they were all the things I loved like and then I was like yeah like I loved tarot I loved you know crystals and like witches and like anything that was really magical and it just felt like anything was possible you know and I would like sit in the garden and just like stare at like flower for forever you know like I just felt so happy in that space and so I was like okay I'm just gonna pull out the tarot deck I'm gonna sit here and like see how it feels and I'm gonna go into nature more and so I kind of did a few things concurrently but when I, you know, really like looked at the tarot cards and, and picked up the, a book, you know, to accompany them, I was like, this is like fucking amazing. <laughs> and the more that I read, that really helped kind of alleviate any residual superstition, which by then was, you know, totally gone anyway. But I was like, okay, this isn't, you know, what you were told that it was. Um, because my mum loved and still loves going to see clairvoyance and, and all of that stuff. But she's also pretty Christian, you know, like she's not religious. She hates like every denomination and institution, but she really has that like foundational kind of Christian faith. And so she would say things to me like, yes, I went to a clairvoyant, but I was holding across the whole time. And that made it okay you know and I'm like okay cool so yeah so I kind of um deprogrammed that stuff just through education and the more I sat with them the more it was just like this works you know it was just confirming what I already knew which was that this is a powerful tool and it works and like it's here for me and I would ask it really basic questions and um sit with the answer and and journal and meditate on what that could mean and it just was this like container to give myself that permission to really like go deep you know because it's like um 
it's almost like how people might treat like a a massage or a facial or therapy you know you kind of i think as people we need some kind of ritual or some kind of safe space like container in which we can let ourselves access a certain part of ourselves and so tarot was the thing that like opened the door to me to just um figure out what was what the fuck was going on for me basically and and i suppose maybe part of what you're gifting the world now is is you know you're making it bite-sized and palatable for them to use that same that the gift that you've given yourself you can then share with other people for them to incorporate it into their own lives yeah i hope so i hope so um i think there's definitely you know this like big resurgence right now and and i think that that's probably for really good reasons so i feel really um happy to go down that rabbit hole and and be that introduction for people because there always needs to be like one thing that like breaks the seal you know like if you um discover one band and they might be really kind of mainstream and like tacky but then you read about their influences and then you're like oh wow I'm gonna discover those bands and you know you go like deeper and deeper and I think that's why um tarot or like witchcraft or spiritual things um having a bit of a mainstream moment isn't necessarily a problem for me because you know there's always going to be like a 14 year old girl out there that needs that right now and and that can be the thing that like opens them up and that feels really um yeah that feels really exciting and important and you know you're like you're the cool face of tarot you're the glamorous like the cool you're fashion <laughs> tarot <laughs> i'm the dag i'm the aussie dag <laughs> i know i love it well i've got I've, this has been such an epic chat i've got two more questions i want to ask before i before i let you go one of them is just a simple one about your recovery process like when you're you know i think burnout is so universally recognized especially by creatives because we're not just doing a nine to five we're trying to be so many things to so many people or destinations um when you're feeling run down and overwhelmed have you got a tool or a technique or a process that can help midwife you back to sustenance yeah um definitely so it's really basic kind of stuff for me but but i find that's what i need because i'm not a grounded person i'm very in my head and so breathing is like a big thing like i just really time my breath and think really consciously and thoughtfully about how i'm using it and imagine myself every day like grounding into the earth and feeling my feet get really heavy and like roots come down and saying something that is like really simple but helpful you know for anxious people i find which is just like i am safe you know i'm protected i'm i'm brave i'm trusting like anything that just makes you feel like you can kind of get a little bit more like your feet are on solid ground and you're not just like running a million scenarios of of what you think is going to happen that day in your head um so meditation in general as well um like i try and do that every day and because i i don't have a lot of time i usually will do it in the bath 
<laughs> which is just like two birds with one stone type of thing. I've never really heard of other people doing that, but I, I feel like it's great. It's like there's less gravity. It, it, it works. I'm lucky that I have a bath. Um, I also do Reiki, like self-Reiki every day. And um, I think that's really interesting. And even if you're not somebody who's kind of like a, a big like Reiki believer I think it's it's another form of meditation that can just connect you to your body in a different way so I would kind of recommend that to anyone even if they're not like already Reiki literate um and then what else do I like to do uh get outside like you need to get outside like into the sun even if it's like for five minutes like I need to get some like sun on my face and sit my butt down and be able to cross my legs like ideally on like some grass or some sand or whatever um and speaking of sand the ocean i mean like you know dan you're in sydney like it's healing it's nourishing where humans are, are drawn to it like magnets and like i think that this you know the water in us recognizes the water in the ocean and they just want to be together <laughs> and I, I, I miss the ocean because I'm not that close to it. Um, but because I work in Venice, I'm, I'm pretty close during the day. So if you can just have a little break and just go down and even if you can see it, like you don't need to touch it, but just see it. Um, but if it's not possible, like any body of water will do. That's why I love baths and I have a bath every single day. Like even if I've had a shower and I'm clean, I'll still have a bath because floating is like amazing and if you don't have a bath just showering you know cold showers like just being like under the water and and letting it cleanse you and being kind of an intentional about that cleansing process is really really helpful and then also just drinking water i've like never been a big water drinker because i wasn't taught to do it and same with eating well so drinking enough water every day and eating nourishing foods that are good for me and that, that feel good for my gut and just being intuitive about that process is something that I try and be really mindful of every day as well. Um, one thing that I, I'm working on and I really want to get better at is just moving more. Like right now I'll sing and dance around the house, but um, I love yoga. I don't really have a regular, regular yoga practice right now, but I don't know if you've heard of Gaia. It's like a subscription. It's like Netflix, but like, yeah. So, and there's some funny stuff on it. There's some great stuff, but there's also just like really quite humorous, like um, UFO conspiracy documentaries and things like that. But I love it. It's seriously like there you will never regret like watching any any random show on Guy. Like sometimes I'll just like roll the dice and like put on something and it's really, really good. And if you love UFOs, then extra good. But they have a lot of yoga and meditation um classes on there and that's really good because I don't have like a I had a really a great yoga school in Sydney that I would go to a few times a week, but in the last two years living here I haven't found like that's that class that's for me so I just do it at home so I need to get back into that I want to do that all the time and I miss Pilates as well similarly so movement is really 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 um, important for everybody but especially me so that's my next big kind of thing that I want to incorporate every day yeah, you've got to look at these things incrementally. It, it's trying to, if you go from being really detached and having no 
processes to trying to hydrate, meditate, make time for yoga, make to, you know, <laughs> all the same at the same time. It's really overwhelming. You just need to um, integrate each one of them so that they become like brushing your teeth, but then the, the new version of that. And then after a while, you can't live without it, but it allows you to fit as many of those practices into your life as possible. But one at a time. That's so true. Yeah, absolutely. It, because otherwise it's just like a, another thing another pressure that you feel like you're not living up to and it's just like setting yourself up for disappointment and I remember feeling like that like oh now I have to do this now I have to do that so yeah you got to make it personal if I like to sort of wrap up by saying if there was a if there was a process or a project that you're currently working on or thinking about that I were to ask you about in a year's time and you were to be very satisfied with it either being completed or well on its way to completion, what would that be? Ooh, I love that. Well, one thing that I can think of is that I would have successfully birthed Daily Oracle into the world, which is my book, um, my second book, and it's basically like a, it's like an eight ball, but in book form. So it's like a book of answers and affirmations and you can ask a question every day and get a response from the universe so I'm excited to to bring that into the world especially around the holidays and I want to make sure that a lot of like young people and especially young women uh, get it in their hands you know over the holidays and and feel like it's their gateway drug into (laughs) spirituality so that's going to be in thousands of homes all over the world and I can't wait and then I think the other thing that I would just say is that I've in a year I've, I've really successfully solidified my kind of white space in the coaching world and what I have to offer and my unique gifts and I have a really like robust client list that we're working together in ways that feel really juicy and exciting and and inspiring for both of us um and i'd also love to to see how i can make my mark in in the coaching space but in ways that are more accessible to people that can't necessarily afford one-on-one coaching so one-on-one coaching is my like immediate priority right now because i think that you know it's important that i know how to do that really well and I'm a skilled coach but I want to be able to offer more like you said about the tarot card of the week like bite-sized accessible educational kind of uh, resources and knowledge and be able to disperse that in like new and interesting ways online that different groups of people from all over can benefit from so I'm, I'm so excited to see how all that goes and I'm not even putting like specific goals on it right now I just want to kind of let it organically evolve and become its own beast I can't yeah I it sounds they sound perfectly uh, harmonious with each other they're all things that would just sit alongside each other as an offering and as a as a, a, a way of creating work that can can support 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 each other so mm. that, that I imagine that will but Thank you so much, Jericho. I, 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 it's funny because I, I knew so little about you in proposing <laughs> that we have a chat. All I, all I knew was like, well, I love, I love the IDTV videos. I know that we'll have something. I, I've got a lot of questions I want to ask you, but I am 
confirmed in my inkling suspicion that we would have so much in common and so many things that, that I have ri literally written a post-it full of notes the entire time I've been talking to you about things that I'm going <laughs> to follow up on and, 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 and look at more after this conversation. So thank you so much for making some time. It's been such a joy to connect. Thank you, Dan. Honestly, it's such a joy for me as well. I'm so glad to be in your world, in your sphere of genius and influence and all the stuff that you're doing is, is super inspiring to me as well. So I'm so glad that we crossed paths and that the algorithm worked in our favor. Thank the you, algorithm. algorithm. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> all this time I thought it was working against me, but you know, it, 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 it's been helping me out. Um, it knows more than I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Golly. So, yeah, um, I really appreciate it. And it's so nice to chat to you and I feel like I could do it forever. So thanks for having me.